Welcome to the Girl Gang Podcast, your weekly dose of friendship, real business advice, and no bullshit guarantee. I'm your host, Amanda Smith, the no bullshit business coach and CEO and founder of Dallas Girl Gang. I'm glad you're here. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Finally, getting to do this. Michelle, welcome to the Girl Gang Podcast. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, I'm always jealous of seeing, maybe not jealous is the word, but of like all the things you're doing out in California because I love the sun and the beach and all of that stuff. My husband is not a beach person. Um, but like, are you, I just feel like you're really, tell us about the weather. Tell us about how it's going right now. I just want to soak it all up. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's see. Um, today's going to be about a high of 85, 80, 85. I live two blocks from the ocean, which is a goal of mine that I've always had since, I mean, high school. That was my goal was like live west of the five freeway, which the five freeways, basically it's the five, which duh. And then the one, you have the five and the one one and I'm in the yeah. corridor between the one one and the five. And I'm so lucky. I pinch myself every day. And I um, live here with my dog in my one bedroom studio. And also it's my business HQ. And uh, we walk every day and look at the ocean. And then like Tuesday or Wednesday, I went to Whole Foods, got myself some dinner and just like, I'm going to go eat on the beach. Why not? Let's just walk down to the beach. And yeah, it's great. Holy. Love it. I need to come to California and just like take a little tour and go see all of the people that I know in California. Yes. So fun. Well, I'm, I'm super spoiled because I live on the same street as my best friend from college, my best friend from high school. Oh my God. So, and all of our dogs are friends. So we have a little dog gang going on. Uh Uh-huh. And we all can walk to each other's houses. It's kind of, I keep calling it college part two. It's as if we're all living in the dorms, but we don't actually have to like be roommates with each other. And it's, lovely. The best of all worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I love it. It's, it's, um, a wonder of, of the millennial generation, like finding and keeping and having friends as an adult, mm-hmm. is it not? Mm-hmm. Well, and the grand joke of it is like our parents at our own age, were all homeowners, but none of us can afford California real estates, but we're paying <laughs> thousands and thousands of dollars in rent because none of us can get pre-approved for a loan. <laughs> so it's Especially so ass backwards. Oh my totally. God. Totally. Oh. It's so ass backwards, but it's just, uh, so yeah, we're just kind of riding it out and we're kind of, all of us are looking at each other. Like, I mean, I guess we'll just keep renting until we die. So yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Or sometimes my, we finally bought a house right before the pandemic really spiked the market, mm. um, out in like, but we had to move 30 minutes outside of the city, which is fine. Mm-hmm. My, every now and then my husband, you know, brings up to like a friend of ours or whatever. And he's like, what if we just buy a really big house and we make sure we like build two kitchens and like two mm-hmm. living rooms and we mm-hmm. all live in the same house, but it's like mm-hmm. we have our own houses. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one is ever going to go for that. I mean, oh, we're, we're talking about pulling our resources and going in on like a vacation home together. Because yeah, all of us, like, we're paying a lot in rent, but we still have a little bit of discretionary income where it's like, okay, what's the next money move here? And I can't go own a property by myself, but I could be like yeah. a one-fifth share owner of a communal vacation home in like, I don't know, Palm Desert. That would be fine. We'll yeah. just make a Google calendar for the whole place and it'll be like our own private Airbnb. Yeah. That is a great idea. 
right? I think you should do it. Well, tell everybody you're a brand designer um, mm-hmm. to the max. You and I've worked <laughs> together on some projects. Um, mm-hmm. How did you get started with this? Is this your background? Tell the people kind of that story real quick. Yeah. So I started my business between my junior and senior year of college, and I never set out, I think, to be a business owner. I was getting a double major in fine arts and art history with emphasis on the fine arts side in sculpture and video and emphasis on the art history side in 19th century French painting collecting philosophies. Uh, So a little niche um, and really thought I wanted to be a museum curator. That to me was like the ultimate job because I was really insecure about calling myself an artist. I didn't really think I was an artist. I didn't really, I was creative, but I had a really hard time with this artist stereotype of like having a tortured past and like making art from your soul. And like, (laughs) that was never me. I wanted to like turn a buck. I'm like, what can we do to like make money though? Like, that's great. We're all talking about art, but I'm more in it for the money. Um, So (laughs) I was like, oh, I'll work at a museum. That's like a perfect blend of my passions, right? It's events and, and the glitz and the glamour of it, but still artists and, and kind of, I love the feeling of like discovering raw talent. Like that's really a passion of mine. So I got a museum internship and um, realized that the whole internship was just sitting in the back office. And there was like maybe one event a month. And I said, yeah, no, I'm not going to be doing this. Um, and basically wrote out the internship and was still like working on my side hustle clients while I was at my internship, which was probably a faux pas. But I liked doing that way better. Like I liked doing the graphic design for someone's business cards or T-shirts or whatever. And those first few clients came as as referrals from my parents. So my, my mom's an interior designer and she owns an interior design and remodel firm. My dad is the GC of that firm. And he also does all the accounting backend stuff. They have a team. They've been doing that for the last 20 years. So 20, 25 years. Um, so I knew what it looked like to be self-employed. And I was like, that's what I want. So um, basically graduated college. My parents said, yeah, try running your business full time. And if it sucks, go get a job, like big deal. Um, and then I took it full time and I never really looked back. So <laughs> now we're that. coming up on eight years, which is nuts. Um, nuts. And I have a team and we work on projects for what we call Bragworthy brands. And a Bragworthy brand is a company or a business that wants to create social cachet, I guess you could say, social conversation about why they do what they do um, and really help people so much that they, the people that work with them or buy their products or use their services can't stop talking about them. And that's the bragworthy aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like, and I think this is kind of uncommon that you, you grew up around entrepreneurship. Yeah. And and the Mm -hmm. fact that your parents were like, yeah, go try your business. And if you hate it, go get a job. That's very uncommon for parents sending their kids off from college to say, (laughs) Exactly. Well, and I want to acknowledge the privilege in that, right? So I was lucky enough to have my college paid for by my grandparents. And so it wasn't a thing of, I didn't come out of school with debt. I didn't have to get a job to pay down my student loans because I didn't have loans. That's huge. That gave me a huge leg up. And I think now at 29, 28, 29, I'm realizing like that is such a huge advantage. 
also the fact that I lived at home for a year while I grew my business. I was doing work yeah. for 20, 20 bucks an hour. That is not sustainable in Southern California. So mm-hmm. I also had the luxury of that and the privilege of that. I did not, when I graduated at 22, need to make a full-time income necessarily to cover expenses because my expenses, I mean, I paid for my own groceries and gas, but my parents are like, yeah, you can live at home. It's fine. So I got really, really lucky. And then on top of that, they're both like my built-in business mentors. So I don't want to say like, oh, I'm totally self-made. Like I worked my ass off, but I definitely, my parents like definitely helped me a lot in those beginning stages. I love that. Yeah. I love the honesty in that. I think, you know, we see like everybody, my husband and I've had this conversation. We'll see our friends from college, like they immediately bought a house after college. And we're like, how the hell did you just do that? And then come to find out, their parents paid their down payment or right, their right. parents own property and said, here's a house, you know, we were like, Literally. Oh, okay. You know, that doesn't make us feel so bad. But I think in, in that aspect, like people, <laughs> those people were saying like, Oh, we did this. Like we did it, but like they weren't being honest. <laughs> well, and you, but again, like, yeah, you did do it. You still had to qualify for the loan. You still had to put sure. your name down on the deed. You sure. still had to do all this stuff. Pay the bills. You got to pay the bills and you got to maintain it. And it's a liability and there's like all of that wrapped up in it. But yeah, I think the conversation and the transparency, but also is that wrong that your parents no. worked their butts off so they could help you with a down payment? Like no. that's where that's, it's tricky. It it yeah. gets complicated when not everyone is given the same opportunity, right? right? So I'm all for equal opportunity. I can't guarantee equal outcome. So should someone who's starting a business who lives in a state where they have loads of student debt and they are just starting to get started with graphic design and they don't have family connections and they don't have the opportunity to just learn on their free time because they can't even pay for their computer and their phone. Is it fair to expect them like, oh yeah, just post on Instagram, you'll get clients. No, no, no. that is not advice that is useful for that person. So like, I have to consider myself in the context of my life and consider the people who listen to me in the context of their life. And I can give them advice and tell them how I did it, but that can't, it will not guarantee that they will end up where I am. And it is now my responsibility as the person with privilege to help someone who wasn't given the advantages that I had. That's like a big part of my ethos too. Yeah. This is why you and I get along because- totally. You're just, you're just honest and you're going to shoot straight about it, which I love. So you, the, the fact that you're so focused on building brag worthy brands, I think is a huge testament of why you've been so successful over the years. But one thing, and you and I were talking about this, a thing that I have been talking about a lot in our content lately, my content with clients, whatever is honesty Mm -hmm. and telling the truth especially online. Mm-hmm. As you and I both know, over the past two, three years, there have been countless service providers, coaches, gurus, whatever, who have been very good at marketing, very good mm-hmm. at selling, maybe had a lot of money to spend or put it on a credit card or got a business loan. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And then sold their asses off and there was not a lot of substance. And everybody, it was perceiving a certain thing and perceiving Mm -hmm. a brand, but that's actually not how the person was. Um, I will tell a quick, it's not a full story, but um, Uh I'm not going to name names because I don't think that's appropriate, but 
was talking to a friend recently. She was working as a creative director in this person's business, getting paid very well. Um, and all of a sudden the wheels started to fall off and she didn't get paid for two months. And this person Mm -hmm. probably does or talks about making multiple six figures on the verge of seven figures. If I remember correctly and behind the scenes was telling my friend, I can't pay you. Yeah. No, even though she owed her tens of thousands of dollars Mm-hmm. And but she's preaching online and to her clients about let me help you make six figures, let me help you make all this money. I make this money. I retired my husband. Then on the back end, you know, so that is what really is just getting me these days. It, and so, yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it exists everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. My parents raised us with two very very simple rules: be a good person, do a good job. But just that's it. Just be a good Love person. And do a good job. Like end of podcast. <laughs> be a good person. Do a good job. Like d- give it your full try for sure. Do a good job. Don't try to pull a fast one over somebody. Don't try to scam people out of shit. But I think that people that get themselves in those situations again, like it, yes, it's super fucking wrong to lie to people. It's super wrong to promise something that you can't back up. But the consumer has to be an educated consumer too. Yeah. Just because you were sold something does not mean you're off the hook for not doing your own research. Right. So Mm -hmm. the, the tricky part is in the online space, you don't have to be certified to do anything. I do Mm. not have a certification in logo design. I did not have, I did not have to take the equivalent of the bar exam in order to do my job. I learned as I went and I guarantee that first logo I did was trash. The very first logo I did Absolutely not great. If I tried to turn over that same quality of work today, I'd get laughed at. So like you got to start somewhere, but because there's no regulation, especially in the digital product space, the coaching space. And this is why coaches are making out like bandits, the bad ones, because they're who's checking on them. They have a fat contract that says, I don't promise you any results. I'm just going to tell you stuff. I'm just going to tell you stuff that's in my brain and go for it. That like, I've always had a hard time with that because so much of my job is deliverables. Like, yes, it's ideas, but it's also deliverables. And you're going to get these file types in this Google Drive folder with this application. I'm going to teach you how to do blah, 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 blah. But there's something that's actually, although not tangible physically, there is an exchange of goods in a way. So it does get complicated when you're starting to get into the coaching space. I know you coach as well. So how do you, how do you, I'm going to turn the question to you. How do you grapple with, with the delivery on, on what are the deliverables? How do you promise deliverables to your clients? So in the last, I would say eh, six, eight months, I had this realization of, well, I'm a service provider, but I am not like, I don't have done for you services. I don't do Mm -hmm. projects and say, Mm -hmm. okay, your project is done here. I'm going to deliver it back like you do. Right. Um, and so I started thinking, okay, let me look at what I'm already doing with clients. Mm -hmm. What am I already giving them? What are we working on? Is there any common threads of like, I'm kind of doing the same thing over and over for clients in different ways, applying it to their own business. And I found yeah, there's actually like certain templates or pitching mm-hmm, templates mm-hmm. or event planning um, processes or or whatever it might be, depending on the client. And so um, 
I think it's, it makes more sense and is more valuable. And the, the client or even in, in the potential client stage, they can see the value of what am I going to get and gain after working with you. And so if they do have some kind of done with you, done for you services, you know, it's going to set them up for, for more success in the long term. But also I was already doing it. I just wasn't right communicating that. And I hadn't quite discovered that yet. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely 100% agree. Same thing. I am not certified. I don't have like, I'm very open about my degree is music education. Um, I'm teaching based on my experience, philosophies, you know, values and things like that. And it is very hard to quantify, you know, it's a, it's super interesting. But you can pay for things besides deliverables, right? So in Mm -hmm. any service-based business, I mean, to give the classic example. So I'm a brand designer. My sister's a wedding planner. My mom's an interior designer. We all have different deliverables, right? They're all different things that the person's going to walk away with. Right. But the thing that we don't consider in the service-based industry is you're also paying for that person's knowledge. You're paying for that person's connections and you're paying for that person's access. So I feel like- And time and time. So that also you're kind of paying for their reputation because once you have a wedding done by sister states, now you're in this echelon of the more successful she is, is the better it reflects back on your wedding. Same for me. Like you get a brand by MKW Creative Co. Maybe we are a mega agency in 20 years. And now that's a more reputable thing that like gains that kind of recognition over time. Same with Savvy Interiors. Like there's just so many layers to that. And I think that we're so as consumers, like think, well, what am I going to get out of it? And that's right. It's not always so black and white. Yeah, it's not. And I think that's also what, what I've also tried to approach. And I don't know if you've seen this in anybody else is I want to educate the consumer on how to decide for themselves and educate yeah. themselves because yeah. a lot of people were reading people's great marketing and, and sales tactics and not doing much other research. Like, you know, have you read their about page? Do they have any other right press anywhere else? Have you heard any other testimonials? Um, do you know a person personally that can vouch for them? Is there like, what else have they done that's so attractive to you? And so, um, you know, I talk a lot about how, okay, I've built this community over the last five years. Um, my expertises are like building a business from nothing, juggling it with a nine to five, event planning, brand partnerships, um, you know, you're starting to hire your first people and managing and being a leader and things like that. And so I come, I say, if that is kind of what you want to learn from in, in my experiences, then that's probably a good fit. Also, here's what other people are saying in, in my right. network. And that's the thing too, is all of my clients that I work with, I want to be able to connect them to someone in my network because I have been doing this for a long time. They have it. And so if I can connect, I mean, one of my clients, um, the last five clients that she's gotten have come from me, like referrals within our community. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's going to happen for everybody, but yeah. But it's the brag, that's the brag worthy part of it. Right. So for me, again, like a brag worthy brand is you don't have to work with me. You want to work with me. Mm -hmm. You don't need me. 
you want me is the vibe. And I think that anyone that positions themselves in that way is going to be, have a much better time because if you try to, to tell someone like you need me in order to crack the code, to make us seven figures in your business, like that's coming from a place of desperation and that's coming from a place of lack and it's not coming from a place of abundance. And I think that if you're like, Hey, I know who I am. I know the value I bring to the table. If you can also see that value, then we're going to have a great time. But if you don't see that value by all means, please go work with someone else that is yeah. a better fit for what you need. And that's the, the brands that I love to work with the most are the ones that kind of have, uh, you don't need an interior designer. You want an interior designer. You don't need mm -hmm. a wedding planner. You can totally DIY it. Absolutely. Let me even share resources with you on how you can do this on your own, mm -hmm. but you want a wedding planner. You don't need a $56 candle. You want a $56 candle. So yeah. like, what is that difference in that bridge? And I think that's how I've always positioned myself is I'm not going to tell someone how they're going to fail. I'd rather tell someone how they would succeed if they worked with me. Yeah. Has it always you know? been felt like that for you or was that like a learning process? Um, I think it was a learning process that came with experience and confidence. Like I think that I really spent the first and I'm like way more retrospective now. Maybe you're in a similar place too, because I have owned my business now for eight years and I'm sure eight years from now I'd be like, Oh, remember when I was saying that shit? Like hilarious. But I think to look back, I was in the earlier years of my business, so badly trying to mimic what I saw people a few years ahead of me doing and trying to parrot what they were doing and parrot what they were offering and not, not paying as much attention to what my clients actually needed. Because I was very much a victim to like the whole girl boss movement and the, you know, like you have to have all these streams of income and blah, 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 and all these freebies <laughs> and all these email lists. I, at one point I was running 40 freebies on my website that were all dead ends. There was no oh, funnel gosh. just because I thought it was a thing that I was supposed to be doing. And I wasn't actually authentically listening to what my audience needed. And mm. I think that's a really big mistake people make in the beginning and and the few times I've taken a risk on offering something that someone asked me outside of my scopes of services, transformed my business. Totally. Mm. Totally transformed. So like it's how? or okay. give an example. Great example. It's 2019. At the time I was living in Belgium. I was part of this Facebook group for a podcast that I listened to. Someone said, I have this book club and I really need a logo. And I commented, it was for Bad Bitch Book Club. And I commented and I was like, listen. I only design brands. I don't design just like logos because <laughs> like that was the thing that I thought I was supposed to be saying. Right. But I really want to work on this project because I think your audience is my audience. Right. So we got on the call and I said, listen, like this full service brand design process is overkill for what you need. And she didn't have the budget. She's like, I'm dying to work with you. I love your style, but I do not have the budget for this. And I was like, okay, what if we did like a mini version of the full service brand design? Like, what if we did a small two weeks, I'm only going to give you one concept, four colors, three logo files, and like a mood board and you're good to go. She's like, sold. Did it. We turned around her brand in 16 days. And I was like, okay, I did it for $500. I was like, okay, maybe we're onto something. Because at the time, my full service brand design process was like $2,500. Oh. Uh-huh. Jokes, right? 2019. So, so that little service, I called it Brandini, mini brand, Brandini, tiny, little, cute, fun, whatever. Then I, I went on my Instagram and I said, Hey, I just did this service. It really worked. I think it's successful. I'm going to take on five more clients for six ninety five each. So like a little bit of a raise and mm -hmm. 
uh, it's going to be this brandini service and then we're going to rock and roll cool did that got the five clients the next five clients after that i charged 850 now it's 2020 now it's the pandemic i was doing a brandini service for 1200 so that service went from 500 to 1200 based on demand in 2020 i designed 41 brands 41 there's like a different brand every week practically um at this price point so like clearly there was a demand and my family's looking at me and they're like raise your prices <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So then I slowly, like every quarter, I would just inch them up, inch them yep. up, inch them up. But now I had a huge portfolio of work mm-hmm. so I could justify raising my prices. That was that service now is $5,200. Yep. And the full service brain design project is $12,500. So because I had demand, you cannot come out swinging with no experience and no process and expect to charge five to $10,000 for that branding. much money. Yeah. You just can't. And I think that's I also, mean, you can try, but sure. also like that you need proof in your pudding in my, in my opinion, but yeah. 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 I say that all the time. Proof of the pudding. I think that's a, a big mistake that people were led to believe these past few years of, yeah, you just put a bunch of people in a group program or in this service and you're going to make $1,500 a month from them for six months. Yeah, just do it. Teach them blah, yeah, blah, that's, blah. Right. There's and the, nothing the, behind that. Literally. And the issue becomes you're not creating – you have to kind of divorce yourself from the money part of it. I think that there's so much advice out there about like, well, if you charge this, then you make that. If you do this, then you make – but like – what is the value you're providing and how does the value, how can you increase the value that you provide first and have the money then reflect that? So with all those 41 brands, I knew I was going to get a lot of testimonials and that's how my TikTok took off because I could bust out these videos, brand design in 60 seconds, brand design in 60 seconds, number 85, number 92, like, like literally show just a huge volume of work, which is what I was lacking before. Um, but yeah, I think that the pricing people that, that price themselves based on how much money they want to make are doing it in a very antiquated way, very backwards. Mm-hmm. And it sets you up for failure or just maybe not failure, but like possible disappointment and things like that. Like you, you really do have to quantify your value, time, experience, all the things that we were saying earlier of why people pay you. Um, totally. I mean, I recently restructured some of my services because based on what were people booking the most, what are people needing and wanting? And um, now I'm offering something new that potentially other coaches would look at and be like, that's all you're charging or, or what is that? Or that's how you know you're onto something good, but it's what people, and I, and I, I, I didn't even, I haven't even talked about it publicly and someone already was like that's exactly what I need and so like we started May you know um I'm I'm more interested in yes being compensated for my time and my skills and all that stuff but helping the people that I can at the past capacity that I can and I just think there's a lot of price gouging going on of course that's of course by nothing. The other thing is like, you have to think of the game of business as being fun. And what I mean by the game of business is not about like 
scamming people or, or pushing boundaries in a way to, to, it's not about make as much money as you can and then peace out and disappear. It's the game of business and the strategy of business is this dance. It's like a tango between you, what you have to offer and the people that need what you're doing. Right. So you're constantly doing this thing, but also it's like, just because someone's asking for something doesn't mean you have to provide it to them. Like I started getting into gifts because I put gifts in the full service brand design scope of work. People weren't asking me to make gifts, but I was like, I really want to get into doing more gifts. And I'd rather get paid to learn than to just try to sell people on why they think they need it. So now similar to like, okay, knowing that out of those 41 brands, I was going to get a ton of testimonials. Now I know when I sign a full design, full brand design process, I'm going to get gifts that I can then use to show people like, Hey, look at these things I made. Don't you want to know how I made them? There you go. Like (laughs) make a course about it. So those kind of things, like just playing around and jiggering it, like there's nothing that stops you from raising your prices. Like just go on your website and change your prices, like, or change the scope of work or change your offerings. Like there's Mm -hmm. no, you don't have to run it by anyone, but you do have to pay attention to what people actually need and what you think you can deliver on because if if you've never, yeah. If you've never offered it before, you have to realize that it's also a risk for that client to hire you to do the thing. Yep. So you have to price yourself accordingly. If you're going to run it by anybody, you're running it by your clients. Totally. Or your potential clients. That's the only filter, if any, if you will, that it should go through. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I just remember like a couple of years ago hearing from different like mentors or people that were like, oh yeah, you can like... I think, you know, I would come up with a price that I thought was appropriate. And sometimes earlier on in business, like we do undercharge ourselves, undercharge or undersell ourselves. Um, but I was like, well, what about, you know, this? And she was like, well, I think you could do it for 500 more. So I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess. And I think, you know, it, I think for me, I probably in some ways started too not started too high but I think I I charged too high for some things at some points and yeah yeah it's interesting I think everybody everybody falls into that right like Mm -hmm. it is you but you have to constantly take an audit of like what's working what's not working like what Mm -hmm. do I like what do I enjoy what what went well what went poorly I mean I've been in business for eight years I've had plenty of projects that went absolutely upside down sideways backwards yeah, they'll never see the light of day on any of my socials, but, but it exists. It totally exists. And I think this is where it's really easy to fall into the imposter syndrome rabbit hole because you mm-hmm. see your idols on social and you're like, Oh my God, everything they do is amazing. You're definitely not seeing their projects that went sideways backwards. Yeah. Like they're not talking about not, it potentially. No. Yeah. And if they are talking about it, it's in like a posturing way or it's in a, I had this crazy client who's so crazy. And I just so don't crazy. believe in that as a mark. I don't believe in that as a marketing tactic. Like, I don't think it makes anybody look good. I think like, again, I'm an optimist. I like positivity. I like attracting the people that I like. I yeah. don't like calling attention to the things that don't go well. Maybe that's my recovering perfectionist. Yeah. Um, but there is like, it has to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So one thing that you and I have probably seen a lot is people building brands that mm-hmm. now all look the same. That yep. so here's what I'm picturing. Picture all neutrals, 
thin, sleek, sexy fonts. Yeah. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. You're done. Um, <laughs> um, I'm so out on neutrals. <laughs> you know, like someone's wearing like a sexy, you know, pointy toe shoes, you know, blazer suit, something, definitely lots of white. Um, someone's drinking champagne. And now I think I, I see these brands. I literally sometimes I, I'm scrolling through Instagram or whatever. Definitely. I'm not seeing it on TikTok, of course, but I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm like, wait, is that so-and-so? And then I read and I look and I'm like, oh, no, this is a different person. Oh, this looks exactly the same as the other person. Mm-hmm. So first of all, why the fuck is this happening? <laughs> And because it's what's trendy. Oh. It's the same reason why in the wedding industry that everyone used Mason jars and sunflowers for like all of 2016. <laughs> like there's, it's a trend. It's a trend. And we'll look back on it the same way we look back on any other trend that's ever happened. And I think the brands that brand themselves smart, of course they have an element that's trendy, right? You've got to be part of the public discourse of what people are talking about. And that's part of this whole like bragworthy equation. But like that may be the hook, but that that's not the substance. The substance needs to be the thing that makes you unique. That's timeless. That's always true about your brand. So yeah, you may participate in a meme or in a dance trend or in a thing, or you might have like a super edgy photo shoot. But if there's no substance behind that, there's no reason for anyone to stick around to actually get to the meat of what you're offering, especially if you all your shit looks like everybody else. Yep. And it just it's starting to become like white noise to mm-hmm. a lot of people i think mm-hmm. um and i think too some of it is portraying this lifestyle right yes and so people are selling with their brand a lifestyle and they might get a really good copywriter and yeah. i mean i'm selling a lifestyle you're selling a lifestyle we right. all are yeah, that's that's the, so let me, the whole gist of it. Let let me let me adjust. I think what I'm okay. seeing is people are selling a luxurious uh, this this very certain type of we're going to Cabo, you know, I'm taking off 4 weeks of work and I'm not doing absolutely anything. Um, you know, I'm going to fly on this private jet, we blah 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 and but then there's like again no not a lot of substance behind the brand. I just think there's a lot of things going on that is possibly a little triggering to me of seeing yeah. stuff like that or and wondering like what's the truth though? Like yeah, it's I an aspiration. Know, yeah, You're yeah. Selling I want to know the honesty behind it, right? And and like I'm thinking, okay, this looks amazing, and like you might be a person that really enjoys like luxurious things in life but like if your brand actually portrayed who you are and the business you actually run i wonder what it would look like totally and i have the perfect example of this and it just happened recently so really good friend of mine bachelorette party in cabo on a boat for 4 days amazing Love it. beautiful right if i were a shady af business owner would i put that all over my business stories hell yeah Hell yeah. I'd be like, look at me. I'm going to come on this great boat. Isn't my business so great that I can work from anywhere? (laughs) But that's so (laughs) not the truth. Like It was so two different points. So whenever I see stuff like that, I just like, I'm just like, I I don't even spend mental calories 
going down that rabbit hole because yeah. for me, I'm like, that just, it doesn't resonate with me. So I made a personal account separate from my business account because my business represents not only me, but my team and it represents mm-hmm. my clients. And I'm not going to bill someone for a $12,000 brand project sign them off on a Friday and on a Saturday be on a boat in a bikini. That's just the, that's not my brand. Like those are two different things because it's really easy to make that jump from, Oh my gosh, you build me. And now you're in Mexico drinking margaritas. Like that, that is not the kind of brand I'm trying to build. I feel like that speaks. I like that. That's just, it's just, you're creating this illusion. That's of two totally disparate things. Like there's no, string here. So me going on a bachelorette party to celebrate my friend has nothing to do with the amount of money I'm making in my business. So those two things that doesn't belong in business content for me. Yeah, no, I get it. I I agree. Um, Like just a full body. Yes. (laughs) But then again, I'm selling an aspirational lifestyle. Working with me means like you probably enjoy dogs. You don't take yourself too seriously. You like listening to podcasts. And I will post about, I get, I feel so lucky and blessed. I've worked my ass off to be able to afford where I live and walk my dog on the beach every day. That is something I have busted my ass to do. But like we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, I've had a lot of privileges along the way as well. Sure. Like access, community, connections, working my butt off. But also let's not ignore that all of those factors are at play as well. And so for someone who is starting off green, starting their business tomorrow, being like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine what it's like to make that much money or to have that much experience or to have access to those things. Like that's not a fair comparison. And I think about that with those people as well, who are flying private jets and eating at Nobu and not working, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Uh, I really wonder sometimes that's a really interesting perspective of like, okay, my clients are paying me. I don't need to go brag about my vacation or lifestyle. I think there's a, there's a line too of like, cause I like to show people, look, I, cause I don't like to take myself too seriously either. And I am in kind and have been on this journey of like self-care, fitness, health, yeah. whatever. So I want to show, okay, it's Friday at two o'clock. I busted my ass all week. I'm out. I'm done. And right. here's me going to Target or whatever. But I think, and and that's where you you attract the people that you want to work with, that you want to yes. be in your community. I'm not trying to attract the people that like want to live a luxe lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. And There's it's also a, okay if you outside. do. Like, it's yeah. fine. That's, There's so much room for me. everybody. Like, yeah. you know, like that's, that's where I think a lot of these people get stuck is that they think that the only way to attract the people they're going to connect with is to portray themselves in this realm that they don't even live in. And it's or like, want. okay, but, or want, or maybe you do want, but if you're not there yet, like it's that you whole thing it. of like, put it on your vision board, manifest it, all that stuff. Like I sure. totally, totally agree. But also let's not be like ignorant of where we we currently are. Like, yeah. Have aspirations, have goals, totally. Imagine a life for yourself. And I just had mm-hmm. this really good conversation with a friend of mine who like grew up very working class. Her parents were very blue collar. We met in college. We went to a private Catholic university. We were surrounded by people with a lot of wealth and privilege and, and we became friends, but it was never, that was never part of the conversation. Whereas her friends that were from high school in these very blue collar lives, like they, they, regarded her as being like the fancy one 
And oh. so they would they would judge her based on the fact that she had master's degree a master's degree from London and she was on all these bougie experiences and she was doing all these things because they yeah. they perceived her to be as part of the out group which I think is so fascinating like again adult friendships and like how they evolve is like mm-hmm. we but our I'm to her friend group, I am the personification of all of those things because we do those things together. So I traveled with her. Right. We did things together. Like I'm the friend that likes to drink an Aperol spritz on a terrace. So <laughs> I am now their out group, which is hilarious because I've never acted that way to any of them. But she's kind of coming to light. She's like, you're my only friend that never made it about that. Like yeah. we've never been competitive with each other. And I was like, yeah, because at the end of the day, my main goal is like I want all my friends to be successful so we can go do those things. Like so we can go have I want to help everyone. Yeah, I want to help everyone to start a business so they can take the whole day off and take their dog to the beach. Like that's the world I want to live in. So I want to be around people that also want that kind of world. So yeah. it's really interesting because I think that how much time you spend on negative energy only attracts more negative energy and how much time you spend on positive energy and like encouraging other people's success it is very karmic like it comes yeah. back to you yeah you know and I, I remember you posting that the other day and I was like yep I I totally agree um and I think there there's this one component that you just said of like the the if you're dwelling on negative energy whatever I think there's a component of people that are you know I'm, I'm thinking of like these cookie cutter repeat brands mm-hmm. they're very concerned and focused about the aesthetics. Their world and those things. Like they're not trying to collaborate with other people or right. build relationships with other people in their industry or a complementary industry. You know, they might be saying they're cheering other people on, but I think it's just to get more clients, you know. Um yeah. so if someone was listening and they're thinking, okay, w- I think I need to make a change in my brand, in what I'm doing, but I don't know where to start. What would you say to them? Ooh, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you are the sum of the people you spend the most time with, this goes to our, like what we just said, you need to be with the people that see the potential of where you want to go and want to help you get there. So if you need to make a change, you're hitting a wall, you're hitting a plateau, you're stuck in your business identify who are the people that are at the place that you'd like to be and how do you even just open the door to have conversations with them? Mm. Like how do you even just get yourself to that space where it may not come to fruition right away, but you can start to plant the seeds that will then get you more towards where you want to go. I think that that's such a, a anti like quick, quick trips and ticks. Oh my gosh, I can't talk tricks, (laughs) tips and hacks. That's this is the opposite advice. This is a slow burn. This is a long term gains. Be ready to be humbled. Be ready to be challenged. Be ready to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And I think that that does pay off. And I it's very counterintuitive business advice. Maybe. I I mean I really agree, and I actually just wrote down what you said about like you are the sum of the five people you spend mm-hmm. the most time with or or however you said it. Um, I think too, the, the one thing is like you said, be ready to be humbled. I don't think a lot of people are, I think we all think it's very easy to think very highly of yourself. Yeah. But we, 
also be ready to learn something new. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I am, I just wrote this on my whiteboard yesterday as I was working on some stuff. I was like, I want to find a couple more resources to learn about X, Y, Z, some certain things. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think people look at that and think, oh, well, then they're going to think it's like imposter uh, imposter syndrome. They're going to think I'm not smart enough or like then they're really not going to pay me because now I have to go learn more stuff. But that's not true. Like I learn new things and you learn new things about our industries or our niches, whatever, all the time. And then we monitor and adjust and modify to what we do with our clients and mm-hmm. that changes too. Like that isn't mm-hmm. that how like we learn new information. So mm-hmm. things should change, right? I don't know. And this I don't is know. what we mean by that? the game of business. I think people that get stuck are stagnant and this is their one offering that they know they make money at and they don't have any incentive to get better. And I'm mm. constantly trying to improve. I'm constantly trying to think of new things, learn new things, take up new opportunities. And now I'm super fascinated by like the crypto NFT space. Okay, what does that look like for brands? Let's talk about that. Let's brainstorm. And my sister, my sister and I are very close. We're 60 months apart. She lives in Dallas um, and she's the wedding planner. And with the time difference, she's two hours ahead of me. She calls me every morning at 7 a.m. That's my alarm. And we just have a conversation for the first hour of my day. She's at the dog park and we just brainstorm. And like, what a freaking luxury that is. Like, I'm starting to realize like what a luxury that is that nothing that we talk about has to happen today. Nothing that we brainstorm on has to come to fruition so that we can make money to pay our electricity bill. Like it is an absolute luxury to be creative and to have a brainstorm and to have a creative sounding board. And I think identifying who those people are in your life as quickly as you can is to your gain. Josh Peck just wrote a book called Happy People Are Annoying. I need to, I am going to go buy it. I need to read it. I love him. It's the best. You should listen to the audiobook because he narrates the audiobook and (gasps) his inflection and like his character. And we grew up on this guy. Like we know this guy, you know what I mean? And hearing his story, but he talks about, he got advice from another actor and I'm forgetting which actor it is. It says, find your apostles. I'm not a religious person, but it is good Friday. So we'll pull it in. Um, Find your apostles and your apostles are the people that are come into your life to teach you something or challenge you in a way that you wouldn't have gotten to yourself. Yeah. And like, if we don't seek out that uncomfort of discomfort of being challenged, then you're doomed to be stuck. And the last thing I ever want to do is be stuck. I was a digital nomad for three years because I was terrified of being stuck. Like I traveled all over the world, 50 countries, grew my business abroad. Like because I w- was so scared of doing the same thing for the rest of my life, the same routine every single day. Like that is my biggest fear. So mm. it's crazy. Like finding your apostles, figuring out who those people are, learning from them, humbling yourself, listening. Like those are the things that really actually move the needle. Yeah. Well, I, yep. That's, that's it y'all. That's all folks. That's yeah. <laughs> exactly what I can't you... even take credit for that idea. Like I said, that's right. Josh Peck. That's his whole shtick. Like, but yeah. great book, but it turned on the light for me because it's like, okay, mm. wait a second. Maybe this person that I thought was like challenging me or like, oh, they just don't understand how my industry works. Like maybe there is something that there is to be gained. Like I think of I my friend who, them. right. My friend that I love to travel with who like grew, had this very, like I said, blue collar upbringing. I'm so fascinated by her because she's, we're now on this same playing field because she worked her ass off. And because she said, I don't want to keep repeating this cycle. I see something bigger and better for myself. And I want to be up here. And I'm like, oh, weird. I'm here, but I already want to be up here too. So 
she, yeah. I mean, she got me on the whole thing with traveling and we can go and talk about things that I, I have topics I can discuss with her that other people I feel like are like, that's some nerd shit. Like, shut up. Like they're over it. So finding out who people like, we get big into like metaverse and, and ethics and technology and art and, and ownership. Like we can go into all those conversations. And again, the luxury of conversation and creative brainstorming is so fun. I, yeah. I, and I think people are potentially, and that's probably the last thing that we'll say before we wrap or I'll say before Mm -hmm. we wrap up, people are afraid to approach a conversation if they're looking, seeking out those new relationships because that person might just be like, yeah, let me invoice you. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they don't know where to find those people. Start a podcast. Or they they haven't been taught how to network. Yes. And yes. that is a big thing for me, um, which is a whole other topic and episode. But I think it's okay. Like approach people and it's not like you're taking advantage of them. Put yourself in places where other people that you are seeking will be. And yeah. then just build, like be their friend. Just yep. be a friend. And don't don't always think about, well, I wonder what I can get out of this. Or like, can they help me? Or blah, blah, blah. Be their friend. And then- Well, this is what will- I'm saying. Plant the seeds. Plant the seeds. Water the seeds. If that seed is, if you've been watering it, watering it, watering it, and it still won't grow, okay, go water something else. Because like, yeah. clearly that one's not fruitful. Like, okay, Working. move on to the next one. But, yeah. but even- like we said, luxury of creative brainstorm, luxury of conversation. Like this mm-hmm. is why we're doing this. Yeah. This is why, right? Like yeah. I'm not probably like you're maybe not going to use my services. I'm maybe not going to use yours, but that's okay because we're creating yeah. this discourse, right? We're creating yeah. this conversation. We're holding space. And if you want to learn something about someone, ask them. And if you yeah. have to put bookend it in like a, oh, I'd love to interview you on my podcast. That is such a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. To have a conversation that's then can be shared that then you can circle back to. Yeah. That like that to me is like, that's the greatest way to use podcasting. Oh, a hundred percent. I learned so much. I mean, I learned so much from you today. The girl before you (laughs) that I was recording with learned a lot from her. Totally different topic, not about business, but I mean, I learned so much from the everybody that I talk to. And that's probably the biggest thing. And it's just a good filling conversation with people that right. I align with and, and right. who understand like what's going on. Like you were saying. Um, yeah, it's good. Well, I think the, yeah. the last little close I'll say is like, not every activity needs to be like, a, you don't have to walk away with the extreme value from a conversation either. Right. Like, this podcast, if you're listening to this episode, you did not get any like, well, you just do this and then you upload this there and then that's how you're going to do this. Like we did not give you practical advice, <laughs> no, but we gave you very like heady, long-term, reframe your thinking kind of advice. And I, that is valuable. That's just as valuable, I think, as the, the five email subject headers that I use to generate 60K in revenue in one week. Like there's a bajillion of those. There's so many of that and stuff. And this is on why the when we relaunched our podcast in February, I did not want to do that any longer. Yeah. So now when we get pitched for the podcast and, and I get a pitch like that of like, hey, 
that my client or I can do X, Y, Z. Here are my tangible takeaways, blah, blah. I'm like, well, that's awesome for a workshop. That's mm-hmm. great for speaking at one of our events or our conference. Mm-hmm. But actually what I'm more interested in is just a conversation. So, mm-hmm. you know, usually I come back and I'm like, are there any unique points that you have that maybe other people don't um, have the same right. opinion? Or do right. you have something, you know, like, let's, let's get a little deeper and, and more, um, just more conversational. But 100%. Well, Michelle, love you. Love working with you. I've worked with you before. Um, True. I did her uh, Kiss My Assets. Um, one-on-one day. Mm-hmm. One-on-one day. It was super fun. Got tons of content and planned and have so many templates now for our brand that we're just cranking out. Amazing. Um, it was great. Loved it. And love your podcast and watching you oh. and TikTok <laughs> and all those things. Uh, right. Tell people where they can find you. Oh my gosh. Everywhere. MKWcreative.co. That's my website. That's my Instagram, my TikTok, my Twitter, my Pinterest. You'll find me everywhere. It's yellow. Like you can't miss it. Also, there's a new social app I'll put you on to. It's called Be Real. B-E-R-E-A-L. It's the fourth most downloaded app in the app store right now. And it is no filters, no aesthetics. It's basically like a Snapchat, Instagram stories hybrid where you can only see the content if you post content. Okay. Eliminates the stopping. My little sister. Okay. My little sister and my, um, my little sister who has to take actually my middle sister who has to take breaks from Instagram because it's, it's, uh, becomes like really taxing on mental health. And I can yeah. understand why, right? We can yeah, all understand yeah. why, uh-huh. um, especially if you're not on there for business, you're just on there for personal. It's everyone's highlight reel. But I think the point of be real is that again, like you can't access the content until you also contribute to the content, I which is like nice. That. Yeah, that's cool. So that's fun. Well, I'm gonna look that so up. Have fun down there. Um, Connect with me, MKW Creative Co. On be real. I just yes. put up a little uh, shot of me before the podcast. So okay. Oh, and they also disappear in 24 hours. So it is like stories. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Well, this was super fun. Love talking to you. You know, we could definitely do a, a part two on anything. Um, but thanks for joining yeah. us, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>